everybody, and welcome to another film podcast. My name is Tierney. I'm Colin. And I'm Matt. And this week we will be discussing a simple man, which is Matt's pick. <laughs> I can't believe <laughs> right off the bat. Like we couldn't even have a professional opening. Honestly, you can't believe that. took that? this seriously. <laughs> This movie means so much to me. All right. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So rude. I apologize for Tierney. This is an inside joke that I'm sure we'll get into later. Uh, the movie we're watching today is, of course, A Serious Man, uh, a classic Coen Brothers film starring everybody's favorite Michael Stuhlbarg. Um, <laughs> Look at that. He's so annoyed. This is a yeah another one of those moments where I'm sad that uh, podcasting is an auditory medium. <laughs> hey, we can always Twitch stream <laughs> so that they can see me murder you. <laughs> I oh, mean, boy. I think when he so okay the move okay we'll stop and we'll be professional for a second. So this movie is one of Matt's favorite movies. He talks about it nonstop, and it's called A Silent Man. <laughs> that one wasn't even one we've had before as jokes. You can't just make up a new SI adjective I, for this. I want you to know that a good chunk of my note taking was thinking of other SI words. <laughs> this is. You are blaspheming against Christopher Isherwood, a historic gay icon. <laughs> I, w- I hope you're both ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> Ah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. good with it. <laughs> In all seriousness, the name of the movie is... Take it away, Matt. A single man. I'm going to say a single man. <laughs> that is the name of the movie. It's a single man by Tom Ford. <laughs> Starring who? Based on the novel by Christopher Isherwood. Also by the same name. And Wait, the, the novel is called Christopher Isherwood? <laughs> So this is And it's the first starring who is it starring? We're gonna get into that later, but let's set up why we watch this movie okay. together for this. Uh so this is the first movie of our 2020 uh 1F film festival. But this year obviously it's gonna be a little different. Uh since we don't all live together. We're gonna do eight picks from Colin, eight picks from me, and eight picks from Tierney that we think are underseen, underappreciated, or that some of us, like Colin, haven't seen at all, but are in a filmography of a director uh, that he particularly likes. So, we've got a wide berth of movies. The first movie that we're doing is A Single Man, which is my pick. A Single (laughs) Man. Is avail- it's currently available on Netflix. Why so serious? <laughs> it's not. It's a simple plan. The emo band from the early noughts. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll stop interrupting. I can't make the okay. same promise, but I'll try. And so we are reviewing this movie. Uh, or not reviewing. I guess talking about it. I don't know. Um, but it's my pick. So I guess should I say what my... Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Why? Why? Why did you? Why did you choose this movie? 
Yeah. Uh, I chose it because I love it. The end. No. Um, wow. I... So enlightening. <laughs> cool. I guess we should know... just call it a call it a pod there. Wrap up. Yeah. We Wrap can't get up. any better than that. <laughs> I'm finished. Um, <laughs> so I so my relationship with this movie is I uh, volunteered during my college years at the Chicago International Film Festival, which is a personal favorite film festival. Uh, because it was like my first exposure to uh, a wide international <laughs> selection of films, uh, stuff that I have never seen anywhere since uh, sometimes. And one of the movies that was a late edition, uh, and I had a free pass, and I was like, I gotta find a movie to go to. One movie that was added late in the game was a single man, which they just had like, it was just a picture, and it was just uh, the image of like, uh, Colin Firth and Julianne Moore next to each other on the ground. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but it looks cool. I'll go see it. What a miracle that it turned out to be a hyper-stylized, uh, gay as hell, uh, short, beautiful little movie with actors that I love and that I didn't even know were in it. I didn't, I hadn't seen Nicholas Holt in anything since about a boy and so imagine the revelation that that child is this person and i was like oh my god what uh, what is this miracle of a film how did i accidentally happen upon this uh colin firth who i love julianne moore who i've always loved uh and matthew good who i think typically i'm like eh, on but in this i think he's got some genuinely fantastic moments um and just overall i just fell in love with the movie i saw it alone so it was really like my own experience and my experience alone uh i like remember the whole night and i remember being like i can't believe i just accidentally saw one of my favorite movies uh so this is the first movie uh that i ever put on a film festival list for our 1f podcast or podcast for uh either year but this is like the first favorite movie of mine that I think is underappreciated and underrated. Uh, and so I made both of you watch it. And as many jokes as you make, <laughs> we have to actually talk about the movie. We have to actually talk about what happens. And you can't just keep referring to the Michael Stuhlbarg performance in A Serious Man by the Coen Brothers. That's a different movie. It's so is A Simple Man. I think it's Michael Douglas, and I don't know the plot. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll okay. talk about the movie. I mean, they're not mutually exclusive, Matt. We can do both. <laughs> no, it's it's a binary. <laughs> this is this is a binary. Um, all right. Well, with that, do you? I mean, you talked about why you chose this movie. Um, do you want to dive in about like the movie itself, or do you want Tierney and I to to jump in? Um, I would like. I think I will be better steered to possibly defend or encourage further conversation <laughs> if I get a little insight into how both of you felt about the movie now that you've just watched it within the past couple of days for the first time. Okay. Um, I just want to also point out that I just looked it up. In A Silent Man, there are two movies that are called A Silent Man. Oh One is God. an old Western from 1917, and the other is from 2018 starring Liam Neeson. Oh. A Silent Man. Just as a side fact, a side note there. Sorry, uh, I think Colin, you were about to say something. 
Well, yeah, I was, um, so obviously Matt had talked about this movie forever since I've known him. Um, and this movie came out in 2009, um, which I was still in college. So like, it was harder for me to try and see all the, you know, awards Beatty type movies. So this is one that just kind of like slipped through the cracks. Um, it was always kind of on my list and I just never got around to watching it. And then living with Matt, it just became more of a joke than anything else. So I was, it wasn't like I was maliciously ignoring this movie. It was just fun to make Matt angry. So Yeah. Um, it's, it's entirely what it was. What it was. <laughs> yeah. um, so I will say, uh, you know, after having watched it last night, um, I thought it was good. Um, I, I didn't love it. Um, I think that there were parts of it that worked really, really, really well. And I think that there were parts of it that did not work very well. Um, one of the things I did really enjoy about the movie was the little prologue at the beginning, um, where the uh, old man is like bringing his little cart home and he gets home and he tells his wife about the, the woman who I will shut down this podcast. <laughs> I Colin, will I was going to do that. Report the, the domain. <laughs> I will have this whole thing shut down. I'll have Spotify and Apple Music pull this whole thing. I wanted to have the whole thing be like, I wasn't really sure what, like, the Russians and the hut in the beginning was all about. (laughs) I'm sorry, Matt. Oh, goodness. All right. Uh, To be completely honest, though, my opinions about the movie before I went on the little serious man uh, detour, plot detour... Um, that, that actually is how I feel about the movie. Um, a a single man. Um, I think a lot of, like, a lot of the, the shots were very beautiful, um, which you would expect from Tom Ford. Um, and I think that, you know, Colin Firth is an incredible actor and this performance is one of his best. Um, so I think a lot of those types of things worked really well. Um, and I'm less sold on some of the other stuff so i will end it there for now but i'm ex- i'm excited to talk about a little bit more of this stuff uh, once we get into it yeah i think mine is uh pretty similar it is like very skillfully made um like i think i mean i i don't we can we can dive right in but like the lighting of a lot of the shots is super fun and then like one thing i noticed is like as whatever Colin Firth's mood is, is mirrored by the uh, color scheme of Mm -hmm. the shot. So if he's like feeling good, it's all warm colors. And then if it's not, it's all like cool and less saturated. And I think that is like, it's like pretty subtly done. Like it's not like a, like a flip change. It's like a gradual thing. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Um, the costumes are great um i thought the story was good and the script i thought i actually really enjoyed how the script was pretty bare there's Mm -hmm. not a lot of dialogue um you're just watching this man struggle basically um uh, so i thought that was good there were a couple things as well that it was more that i found them like distracting than like wasn't sold on um, in that it kind of like took me out of the story. Um, but other than that, yeah, I thought it was a good movie. I want to talk about the distractions because I think, uh, like with any movie that's a favorite, 
uh, there's also like an acknowledgement that like, well, it's not a perfect film. Mm -hmm. And I agree. I think like uh, it's it's a movie that's actually been done, I think, several times before of like a person looking at their life and like taking an extra moment to like appreciate little things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think like that story isn't necessarily a unique one. I think it is a, a told in a unique way. Um, in this film but I think there are weaknesses so I actually want I encourage talking about them uh, so that I can also uh, say if I agree or not all right uh my uh, there were two things two and a half things that I found would repeatedly take me out of the movie is one of them is there's like a heavy use of slow motion yeah um and so they're all kind of combined with each other. So it's a heavy use of slow motion, and some combined with some of the close-ups make me feel like I'm watching an advertisement for clothing, um, <laughs> which mm-hmm. makes sense because that's what Tom Ford would be familiar with. Exactly. Um, but it, there were times where it felt less about emotion and more like, look at these clothes. <laughs> I was going to say, my, my biggest... Not like complaint is seems a little strong, but the the thing that just didn't work for me as a whole is that it just it felt like it was a lot of style, which I generally liked. I thought the the style of the movie was great, um, but I, it it just felt like there was like a very strong emphasis on style over substance, and I do think that there is some good substance here. Uh, but just to Tierney's point, I think there are a lot of moments in the movie where um, it was just kind of like, we're just going to make this look really beautiful and not necessarily serve anything else other than it looking beautiful, which is not necessarily which, a problem. And it does um, look beautiful. It, yeah. And like they are successful. Like if that was their goal, they are certainly successful in achieving that goal. Um, it, it just like you said, Tierney, it kind of pulled me out of the movie and it made me hard. It made it harder for me to fully, um, you know, fully interact with the movie as a as a movie. But at the same point, sometimes it works really well. Yeah. Like there are instances where you're like, oh, this is stylized, but also like you're getting the, um, like the interaction between him and Carlos outside of the shop. Yes. I think is really good, and that's an Im- that's a part where like you have close-ups of like his lips while he's smoking, which is the place where the eye would naturally look, mm-hmm. and so it's like adding a whole another layer of like uh, like sensuality where it works really well. Um, yeah. and yeah. I was like, ooh, this is very good, very very good, and the smoke looks really cool. Um, so it does like work. It's I think that there's probably like uh, I don't know where I was going with that sentence. Well, <laughs> I think well, you're absolutely right. I think that sequence um, outside the like the liquor store, drugstore, whatever, is really moving and really powerful. Um, and mm-hmm. I think just like the little conversation that they have at like while they're just kind of like leaning up against this car is like one of the the stronger moments of the movie. Um, But one of the things that really pulled me out of the movie is um, the scene when he's in the bank and um, he's like, 
trying to find his checkbook. He's like rifling through his little briefcase and then the girl comes up and I don't necessarily have a problem with like the, the sequence where he's talking to the little girl. Um, but when the girl's mom comes into the picture, like that's when it pulled me out of it because like the, the way, the way those shots were framed just felt really fake. Um, like it, it, you know, the, the scene towards the end where, um, I, I can't remember Nicholas Holt's character's name, but um, where George and him are just like sitting at that bar and having a conversation at the at the table, the way that it's framed, it's like it, it feels like an actual conversation between two people. It feels like we're just kind of like sitting there watching these two people talk to each other, even though everything is shot individually, close up on one or the other actor. Um, but in this one, in the bank scene, it just feels really weird that. Like, the, the camera is framed with um, Colin Firth's face, like, directly in the center of the frame when he's talking, and then it's directly in the center of the frame when um, the mother is talking, and it just, like, it doesn't feel real. It just feels off. And so, like, that was one of the moments that really jumped out to me, where I was like, oh, yeah, like, this, I can see what you're going for, but it just did not work for me at all. And so, like, that whole sequence, I was just kind of, like, and it's, like, the stuff that they're talking about, like the conversation they're having is a sweet conversation. And you can tell that she like genuinely, like, I would love to see you at this party. Um, but I, I just like, I couldn't, I couldn't get there. Cause I just was so taken out of it. <clears throat> Here's what I'm going to say. Yes. One of my least favorite parts of the movie is just that family in general, the sure. family <laughs> across the street, because <laughs> the first scene that we get with them, we're like, the little kid's, like, digging in the dirt, and the one girl, like, smashes the butterfly. And, like, and the f- husband comes out and seems, like, perturbed at nothing. It's, like, very melodramatic. It's, like, not that meaningful. A lot of the stuff is, like, oh, smashing a butterfly is, like, kind of obvious. Like, it's mm-hmm. the most obvious, like, <clears throat> oh, and beauty's crushed by, like, kids who don't even know what it is. Like, it's just a little too overt. Um, and I think also that scene with the little girl in the bank, because that's also one of those ad moments, like you're saying, where like the slow pan up to like show the dress twirling is yeah. so unnatural. Like it's not, it doesn't look like anything you come across on a daily basis. Like, yes, it's a period piece. So the costuming is going to be like more interesting than modern. I do clothes, love the like, costumes. It's, mm-hmm. and it's Tom Ford. So like he made the suit that George wears and it has mm-hmm. George's like initials and there's a backstory to the suit and all that stuff is like cool. But when it's just this like shot of a dress of a little girl who doesn't really matter to the story mm-hmm. and who like, it, she's fine, but like, it's not like you're getting a moment. Like you get in once upon a time in Hollywood with this little girl actress that you're like, Oh, you're so fun to yeah. watch like you're so talented and this little girl's fine she's just a, a little girl uh mm-hmm. but i think moments like that feel forced um into the story of just like your routine on a day-to-day mm-hmm. and how you'll notice little things uh that you don't notice every day and like close-ups of the tennis players i think are actually pretty effective and um and cool because it is less about the clothing and more about like appreciating the form or like noticing the sweat or like the activity and those moments felt good and like oh this is how you use this slow motion 
ultra close up, uh, like kind of pulling out of details. Mm-hmm. But I agree. I think the bank scene and the scene that I had a problem with, um, and just in general, that party of like having another place to be besides Charlie's, but it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter that he's invited to that party. He's not going to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the family is not integral. So I think, yeah, that's, I think that's one of the weak points too. I also think Julianne Moore's British accent. Isn't that great? <laughs> I was going to say like, shockingly bad. It's, That is the other thing. Like, the biggest, my biggest problem was the bank sequence, and my other problem was everything that's happening with Julianne Moore. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Kind of. I mean, it it feels, I'm, I also don't remember if she's a character in the book. I don't think she is. And I do think it comes off as like strange exactly what what her vibe is. Um, and her British accent is just, distractingly strange it's she made a lot of choices and i don't think any of them worked out (laughs) and i like i actually i like the idea of him having that close relationship with someone else um you know like i I obviously like i I haven't read this novel american exactly she could have just been american right like they're literally neighbors like why couldn't they have just been like friends because they live close to each other why do they have to have this like massive backstory that forces julianne moore to do this like rough british accent (laughs) like i don't yeah i don't know it's but i think like i said i think if if i haven't read the novel but if she's not if that's not a character in the novel and you know weren't a character in this movie this would be like an ultra depressing movie and like it is a sad movie but like without having that you know him having some sort of connection would be really rough um it just like when she's on the idea of her character works for me so much better than the actual implementation of her character yeah which is a bummer because i generally do like julianne Moore, and i do think she's a really talented actress um, but I just, I do not think that she was good in this movie. <laughs> I, and I, that's also one of the points that I'll concede on. Whenever I watch it, I'm like, this is, this feels very, like, there's just so much effort put into it that it doesn't feel quite good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just like, oh, it's, oh, she's already drinking in the morning. Oh, she's putting on her makeup still. Oh, she wants to be with him and gets upset. Like, it feels so not uh go with the flow it doesn't feel like it like fits Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but uh but yeah in general i love julianne moore so much and i think in this movie it's a little strange i will the sequence where so first of all the sequence where um john ham so i (laughs) i was like that voice sounds so familiar and about halfway through the phone call i realized who it was i was like holy shit yep uh john ham was just really into the 60s don draper calling him yeah i was gonna say don Uh, draper called him (laughs) same set designer and costumer well as mad men of course makes Um, sense wait tom ford wasn't the costumer i think he i mean he probably had a say in everything but Mm. like a different person did the job I would imagine, like, as a director, he probably had enough other stuff going on that he probably wasn't able to, like, also create yeah. all of the costumes. But, um, but anyway, like, when, 
Colin Firth gets the phone call that um, that Jim died, that sequence is incredible. Um, like that slow mm-hmm. pan around him, and then the kind of like zoom, the slow zoom on his face as he's like getting the news, and he's trying to hold himself together long enough to finish the phone call, and you can just see him so close to breaking. Like that sequence is phenomenal. And then when it's followed up with him, like that Danny Boyle-esque run through the rain to get to Julianne Moore's house where he just like fully breaks down in her arms, like that is incredible. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh shit, like, okay. Like, cause the movie starts like that, right? It's fairly Mm -hmm. early on. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm very here for this. But then when you meet Julianne Moore's character more in depth later, I was just like, oh, this is kind of a letdown. <laughs> yeah. I but, think that then... she's so ridiculous that it's like, oh, I preferred you as, like, the person who's holding somebody as they're crying. Like, who's that character? Yeah. Um, and also, Charlie is in the book. I just looked it up. I was wrong. Oh. So, I I don't know. I guess I forgot she was in the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I do, like, the main thing, too, is, like, when adding on to what Colin said is like when I say they're distracting it's like because it takes you away from what I think of the story which is a man trying to go about his day and everything reminds him of his lost love and it's just like that is like such an emotional like roller coaster that like that's what you want to watch and so like if you do have the things like the family or the bank scene where you're just like I want more of of like the like heart of this so it's absolutely not to say like i don't know i just wanted to clarify because i was like i kind of feel like i just shat on it but it's mostly that i want more of like the like the heart of the story i completely agree with you and when i was talking earlier like when i first mentioned that like some of the things worked really really well every single moment of this film between Colin Firth and Matthew Good is outstanding. Every God. single moment that they are on screen together is beautiful. Um, and I, I love the way that <clears throat> the way that all of those sequences are set up is like you were saying, Tierney, like he's just doing normal day-to-day stuff and he does a thing and then it reminds him of Jim. And like the way that it's it's shot in those muted colors in present day and he's gonna like put a record on the turntable and then it like cuts to the you know like the actual like bright vivid warm colors of the two of them just like sitting Mm -hmm. on a bench and reading together and just having like a very sweet um just like intimate moment together all of those sequences were just worked for me like gangbusters and i think if this movie were just that um and you know like the nicholas holt stuff at the end we can talk about a little bit more later but i think if if we were to lose a lot of the other stuff a lot of the other like unnecessary stuff and really just like you were saying tyranny focus on the heart of this which is just like colin firth trying to get by um i think this movie would be similar to to you know matt standing for me because i think all of those sequences are phenomenal i also uh think that one of my 
favorite interactions in the whole uh, film is sorry, I just completely spaced out. <laughs> yeah, what <laughs> happened? <laughs> I know my brain just completely stopped working. Uh, is the whole th- the whole uh, segment with Carlos? Yeah. I think is is it's very different. It's almost like the bridge in a song, where it's mm-hmm. like you're taking an alternate mm-hmm. path and then you eventually come back to the storyline. But it's like it's such like a I, I guess like a break from his like grief that it is like a nice little tangent. And I also love that they did not do subtitles. Yes, I love that. Mm-hmm. And the whole, like, oh, when Carlos says it's, like, he, I don't know the line exactly, I didn't write it down, but when he's, like, I've never had someone not want anything from me, I was, like, oh, my God. Yeah. That scene is so good. And it starts with the eyes from Psycho yeah. on the on the <laughs> wall. Mm-hmm. And it's an incredible shot to be, like, what is this? And then see a car pull up in front of it. Um also, the actor who plays Carlos is in Tales from the Loop. That's just a, a side note. Oh. But I, he popped up, and I was like, where do I know this guy from? Is that Carlos from the set? And then I looked it up, and it was. Um, but he was a model that worked with Tom Ford. Yeah, he's that beautiful. This was his first acting role, and he's incredible. It's so sumptuous. That whole scene is just, like, thick with, like, sexual tension, but and also what's... just, like, a shared like empathy for the other person mm-hmm. and what's uh, so great is that like if we're talking about muted to like warm colors the mm-hmm. colors in that are so saturated like that yeah. sunset is like hope oh, and it just like adds to like there's so much tension here and it's like yeah. you said just like saturated with sensuality and you can tell that just from the colors yeah which i think is really fun yeah i think i i wanted to speak to so i i I love the Carlos moment. Um, and then to Colin's point, uh, the uh, Colin Firth, Matthew Good scenes are like relationship goals for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, just give me this for my life. Like, that's <laughs> all I want. And like the book, the book scene is like, yep. quintessential, I, wa- like I watched beauty. that and was like, this is Matt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's all I want. That's all I want is that. Um, but also but like, Matt, you, you don't read, though. So like, I am. Dur- I am I during gonna, quarantine. It's like so. It's like you know your partner reading, and you're just like listening to an audiobook and then the vinyl gets or over. A comic. And you're like, uh No, I'm. He's reading, and I'm playing a Game Boy that I found. But I'm like, oh shit, Boktai. Oh fuck. That's my uh, version. Right, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry. But the the actual scene that I like always forget just how much i love is the first time that uh george and jim meet which is at the bar that he goes to later Mm -hmm. and then meets up with nicholas holt but like the you can feel the heat of the night that they're like meeting on you can feel like the bodies that they're rubbing against as they're trying to get through this crowded bar um it's like on the beach in california it's so the setting is perfect and then every interaction between the two of them is so lovely and exciting and mm-hmm. you can like feel the beginnings of like oh who is this like what's happening is this like is this night suddenly turning a different way which i think is later mirrored by 
the interactions with Nicholas Holt to kind of feel like, oh, excitement is like just around the corner and you just don't know it's there until like somebody appears. Um, but I think the moment that Jim is asked by the woman, like, hey there, you want to buy me a drink? And then he just looks at George and goes, I think I'm taken, yeah. is like crushingly beautiful. It's yeah. so, <laughs> it's the best moment of acting I've ever seen from Matthew Good. Uh, and it's like, you get to experience both of their characters' motivations and, like, desires in that moment. You, like, get where Jim is coming from, and you also get how it must feel to be George to, like, have somebody say that and also see that you're gay without knowing explicitly and, like, also relates to his monologue about, like, being an invisible minority. Yeah. Of, like, there is... It's just an intuition. Like, he knew who George was more than other people do. And I thought, I like, that moment is so good. <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah. I agree. I thought that was really good. The There's a lot of, like, a lot of stuff was interesting watching in 2020. <laughs> like, that. that like the, the professor. The, the, yeah, the whole, like, fear monologue. I was like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oof. <laughs> I was yep. Like, okay. So so lots of things have changed since the sixties. Great. <laughs> yeah. I thought the same thing when Nicholas Holt was like, uh, what future? There is no future. Like Cuba can blow us up at any minute. It's oh like, yeah. Oh cool. Yeah. <laughs> Rad. <laughs> that one, Nothing's changed. That one struck a struck a chord with me last night too. I was like, oh, I laughed. <laughs> oh, here's the question. So like you can tell that George places like a fair bit of emphasis on style he has a very well designed house he dresses very well he lays mm-hmm. out his clothing what of what to be buried in is <laughs> the notes. scene yep. <laughs> with, with with notes. tie in a windsor knot <laughs> is that's the, such a good scene <laughs> is the scene where he's attempting suicide meant to be funny I think so. Okay. I think it's like very because it's it's supposed to show how particular he's being about right. everything. Yeah. Like, oh well, this will make a mess, so I'll put I'll put this over. Well, okay, that's not quite like that whole sequence. I think is meant to be like how ridiculous is planning your own death in this way. Yeah, that's how I took it. But then I was like, all of the like lighting and everything was like serious. Yeah. And so I was like, maybe. It's not supposed to be funny, but I was like, it is a bit silly, like, the the lengths he goes to, yeah, uh, to make sure that he is not making a mess for other people, <laughs> and also can still look good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely read that. Like, this is not a funny movie. Like, there are moments where you kind of like chuckle and you're like, oh, that's sweet, but like, this is not a funny movie. But I did read that whole sequence as being <clears throat> intentionally comedic because, I well, I don't know how else you could read it honestly. Because yeah. <laughs> like, just... he plays he plays out getting shot and he's like oh. right in the shower. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I love the the escalation where he's like, all right, I'm just gonna lay down in bed. It's gonna look really nice. And he's like, well, no, I should probably prop the pillow up just so I <laughs> have like the cushion there. And then he, like, sits up on the pillow, and then he's like, no, this is still going to be a mess. And then he's like, ooh, sleeping bag, this will catch everything. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. <laughs> it's so insane. <laughs> the it other really thing, is such a strange interlude. <laughs> the other thing I was thinking, 
and we can maybe use this to talk about the end of the movie or you know the last the last third of the movie um Mm -hmm. i read it as he left charlie's went home and was like all right i had my distraction let's get down to business and he couldn't do it and immediately went to the bar because he was like i need more alcohol before i can actually do like literally pull this trigger and then he meets up with nicholas holt they have their little rendezvous and they go back to his house are all of his suicide things still just like proudly displayed (laughs) they are because he cleans them up yeah okay i missed that part because i was like when when they're when they're like talking about or when he's like should we go back to my house and nicholas holt's like where else or something but my first thought was like um like are you gonna try and like clean up your like very obvious suicide attempt or are you just gonna be like well this is me or i don't know i just that that moment was like i don't know i it took me out a little bit too yeah i think you are supposed to think that uh while george was asleep does he fall asleep and then he wakes up or where does he go i forget he um, he like passes out and then yeah nicholas holt's character takes the gun so he definitely knows something's right. going on yeah and i then guess that's true he also makes a joke like are you going camping because he has his sleeping bag on oh the bed. that's right <laughs> yeah. but that's i also right. wouldn't be surprised if like at that point like george was kind of like either a this could be a, a cry for help without him actually asking for help or it could be like give me a reason to live mm-hmm. yeah I, and i think he does change his mind i also think instead of shooting himself uh he thinks of the first time he met jim and i think the inspiration might be more like i need to go there one more time before i go like i've got to go back to where all of this started sure. and then i think he's encouraged to just keep moving when he hears the rustling and he's just like okay whatever that was and then it turns out to be who he suspected it probably would be, which is Kenny. Yeah. Um, I will say the that whole sequence with Nicholas Holt, everything with Nicholas Holt didn't really work for me either. But I think that's partially just my own baggage with Nicholas Holt. <laughs> I think it was like I never saw about a boy. So I only really know him from his like more recent stuff. And I do think he's like a talented actor. But um a lot of like the shots of him in the beginning of this movie are like him making the exact same face. <laughs> like he just has that, like, like, I don't know. It like his eyes are just like so blue and he just has that like boyish little smile. And like yeah. every single time the camera finds him in the first half of the movie, he just looks the exact same. And I, for whatever reason, I just like couldn't take that seriously. And so like, <laughs> His whole thing, I was just kind of like, nah, I'm not, I'm not buying this. Which, again, to be fair, I think is mostly my own baggage with Nicholas Holt, our our lovely war boy Nux. <laughs> oh shit! He made yeah. it in two yeah. times. <laughs> I kept thinking that during the movie is him just like what this. <laughs> I always forget, man. I always forget he's Nux. How? I just know him as Nux. When he's in that movie, it's just oh, he's, he's not Nicholas Holt. He's just Nux. <laughs> yeah, but in this one, also like he's very like Tom Ford purposely made him this kind of angelic 
figure yeah. with this like god that angora sweater is so <laughs> distinguishing like it's so cool and it and he's like it's cool how the fibers kind of make it glow so he's like really like an angel and you're like okay tom for um <laughs> but but like i think he's always supposed to be this kind of unreadable like seemingly vacant but mm-hmm. then oh suddenly he's much more deep and thoughtful than you'd expect but I, th- I think his delivery is kind of one note for the whole movie. Yeah. Which, for me, works only for this kind of enigmatic character where you're like, what are you going for? Like, yeah, he is do very, you want to do something? He's very difficult to read. Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of part of the delivery and of Nicholas Holt's kind of, like, unflappable, wide-eyed, kind of, like, innocent demeanor. It's like, I don't really know what your intentions are, but you're, like, sneaking around and watching me and undressing right in front of me. Why, like, what is your vibe? But then um, doing, like, nothing. Yeah, but doing yeah. nothing. And being like, oh, I don't know. That was Let's the other thing, though. Dipping, but then, like, also not. Well, yeah, and then, like... When they get to his house and he's like, uh, well, you know, the shower's over there if you want to shower. And he's like, well, are you going to shower too? I was like, wait, is this is this happening? And then it just like, there were ample opportunities for it to happen and it just didn't happen, which is fine. But the whole time in my head, I was screaming like, don't fucking do it. He's one of your students. This is a terrible no. idea. <laughs> I was like, go for it. They're college students. <laughs> I, and he's I mean, like, making moves. He's the one who's sneaking around in the bushes. No, I know. I'm just saying, like, I was just like, I mean, granted, like, his whole, like, his whole motivation, this entire movie is like, I'm going to kill myself. So I guess it doesn't really matter if he hooks up with one of his yeah. students and loses his job. But I was just <laughs> like, don't lose your job, dude. <laughs> like, this, this weird iteration of Nicholas Holt is not worth losing your job over. But again, like I said, if he's going to commit suicide, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> uh, I have a theory. <clears throat> yes, get us with it. So. My, are you, you guys are familiar with Fine Line, the second Harry Styles album? Absolutely. Uh, Yes. On the album, there is a song called Canyon Moon. I love that song. It's a great song. The overall theme of the song is a guy, presumably a guy, who is married with kids and keeps thinking back to this night under the canyon moon. George lives on Canyon Avenue. Oh. They go skinny dipping under the Canyon Moon. Oh. <gasps> and then George dies. Spoiler alert. And so presumably, <laughs> Nicholas Holt goes on, and given his, like, will-he-won't-he attitude, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he, like, marries Jenny if we're going to reference the Harry Styles song and has a couple (laughs) kids. And then I was like, I wonder if this song is about this movie. And that's my Uh, theory. That's a a real galaxy brain take. And I fucking love it. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all for sequels being in a different medium than the original. So if this song is a sequel, I'm all on board. I approve this theory. It has no credence or evidence at all besides. It's all circumstantial. 
Right, and yeah, I'm exactly. all for it. <laughs> I'm all say, in. That's why I was like, this is galaxy brain level, because there's absolutely nothing to support this other than the three of us being like, oh, fuck, yeah, that's absolutely true. Like, yeah, how I could it not be true? <laughs> yeah, I don't mind that at all. I'd like that to be true. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, that was the I last say, of my notes. <laughs> the uh, What a way to go out, T. I know. <laughs> I mean, if I can reference Harry Styles in every podcast, I think I'm doing my job right. You got to do it. Yeah. Um, I will say the ending is I I thought the ending was really beautiful. I mean, obviously, it's sad that he like decides that he's not going to kill himself and then dies anyway. <laughs> but I, I love that um, Matthew Good comes back like he has that like final image you know, like it mirrors the way the movie opened, where he mm-hmm. comes across his, um, you know, his lover's body and gives him one final kiss, and now his lover is coming back to him. So like, it's sad, sure. It's like ironic, sure. Um, but like the the actual like moment where Matthew Good pops back in for one last little like, you know, that I, th- I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, I agree with that. Does he? That's also not in the Sorry, book. The book he does, like probably die of a heart attack the way it describes it but like there's no mention of like jim coming back or um and he like his in the book he has like an internal very angry monologue at kenny about like that he doesn't appreciate what he's had given him to in any case this isn't the movie but i think the movie handles it in a much more like uh calm and sweet and like kind of reassuring tone um where it is just a very beautiful ending and it's very sad, but it's also like, you're like, Oh, well at least he still gets what he wants, which is to die. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> um, what were you going to say T though? Were you going to say something? Oh, when you have a heart attack, isn't I thought it was your left arm that hurts. That's what I thought too. And then I was also <laughs> we were like, looking at him in a mirror. And then I was also like, the telephone plays such like a is so much in the first act of the movie that I was like, could he not have just called nine one one? It was too late. He but was that's just me it. not wanting people to die. Yeah, that's fair. Which yeah, I, was gonna, I think that's a pretty fair stance to take. <laughs> I will say the uh, watching it on Netflix was uh, <laughs> a bit of an upsetting uh, situation at the end because. I think when movies end in, like, similar ways to that, where it's just, like, a really sweet and beautiful movie, and, like, I'm not the type of person who's going to, like, sit through all the credits, um, like, out of obligation to the people who made the movie, which, like, if you are one of those people, God bless. But um, this is definitely one where, like, had I seen this in the theater, I would have just sat there and just, like, lived in that moment a little bit longer. (laughs) But fucking netflix <laughs> like, yeah. it's like it's like oh man that was really sweet and really beautiful and this music that's playing over the credits is really nice and like oh oh my god here's this like abrasive like tiger king tiger king my, her- my hero academia <laughs> yeah, i was like what the fuck like, go away netflix let me just have this moment <laughs> yeah. did you so... watch there's a post credit scene oh yeah. shit no what? i i mean I got stuck watching fucking Tiger King, so I had to go away. Tell me more about this uh, post-credit scene. So the post-credit scene is about 10 years later, 
where uh, they're at a wedding, and it's the main character, and it's uh, he's breaking in the typical Jewish wedding fashion. <laughs> he's <laughs> stepping on glass. <laughs> So it's like you have the bar mitzvah, and then ten years later you have the wedding, and that'll make it the rest of his life. I knew it was coming. I knew it was going to come back. The whole, the entire podcast, I was like, I'm, I'm shocked that we're still talking about the actual movie, and this hasn't evolved into some other way to talk about. A simple or serious or oh, man. As silent. soon as she said post credit scene, I was like, I love it. I know exactly what's <laughs> about to happen. Please give it to the world. We need this. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Let the record show that I never called it by its real title. <laughs> that is true. I think you did. I do think you, you did at one point. No, she she cut herself off, I think. And like, I we'll said, see. Take the reins. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, we'll see. It's just like that I, video game you play. Steal another greater. Another inside joke. Steal greater <laughs> time. No. Um, what were you saying, Colin? No, I just is there. Does anybody have anything else that they want to talk about regarding the movie? Do you have any like final thoughts, Matt? I now think that, everyone... now that you we finally joined you on the side of people who have seen this movie thank god what are your thoughts <laughs> i also think the score should have been nominated for that year um abel korzenianowski's uh, score for this movie is beautiful and it is just like you don't get a lot of like string scores uh these days and this one is just like an incredibly uh it's it's got it's so much variety and I think it's so beautiful, and it fits every scene that it's in. So I love the score, and it's like impossible to find on Spotify and Apple Music now. And I used like I used to have it, and I can't listen to it anymore. And it's the weirdest thing. It's gone. <laughs> There's one website I found that has it, and I'm like, what? Where did it go? Why is it gone? So I'm gonna buy the vinyl this week. And, I was say uh, maybe have it. <laughs> maybe it. someday Mondo will put out a vinyl. <clears throat> yeah. Um. The. One last thing I will say about this movie before we talk about some of the other categories. Um, I, I held on to this because I didn't want it to sound like I didn't like this movie. Because I generally did like this movie. But when we're talking about the colors changing, <laughs> when he's like, every sequence where George is like coming back to life, the colors, like Tierney, like you mentioned, they like gradually become warmer. <clears throat> is a cool like it's a cool effect it totally fits the movie it totally makes sense it's a really subtle way of like describing what's happening to him and i like it but also it was dope when pleasantville did it 20 years ago i don't know what pleasantville is <laughs> Damn it. i'm gonna pretend like i don't so that you can't nail this <laughs> But you know, and everybody else who's listening to this who has seen Pleasantville oh, knows. Whatever. <laughs> what I don't get it. Explain what? it to me. Pleasantville so, is a black. It's a movie that's in mostly in black and white, and then no. as people start to realize that they have free will and they're not in a TV show. They start to see colors, and the whole town become colors. And uh, who cares? Who gives a shit? <laughs> 
Matt's so angry because I'm so right. <laughs> this movie isn't all other movies. It's, it's itself. It's a single movie. Is it a, a serious, serious movie? movie? No. I'll tell you one thing. It's not a silent movie. <laughs> but it is a... It's a simple movie. Yeah. Um, it is a simple movie. So, categories. We uh, So, first tattoo ideas um nothing really jumped out to me so i'm open to your suggestions one thing i will say is i had a similar uh situation to this movie as i did whenever i would watch mad men which is like fuck smoking sounds so dope right now (laughs) like (laughs) i am not a smoker and like every time i have smoked like usually when very drunk and someone offers me one i like immediately regret doing it but, like, as I'm watching them all smoke cigarettes, I was just like, fuck, I could go for a cigarette right now. <laughs> Which, like, I'm not going to get a cigarette tattooed on my body, but that was the I only think, thing that I was like, mm. <laughs> I think you should get a Windsor knot tattooed right around your neck. Oh. So, now, would it just be the knot, or would it be, like, would it have to go all the way around my neck, like a full Just tie? the knot. Okay. Well, and the collar over the, just I think, the over the, the sides. And then also the shirt. <laughs> that the tie is on so a full body <laughs> suit tattoo i you lost me <laughs> i was Mine? interested in the tie but <laughs> significantly less interested the farther down that rabbit hole we fell <laughs> rude i would say uh so like let's pretend that you love this movie and it's one of your favorite movies i think the yellow sharpener would be oh uh very subtle and kind of cool because you get the angles of the sharpener. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Or the eyes from Psycho, uh, just because that's so cool. Just like a bar of blue with eyes. Yeah. Might be cool. Um, and I had another one that I thought of last night, but I can't remember now. Maybe I will say, it. I mostly, like personally, I think of tattoos in terms of images, but I do think that there are probably a couple lines of dialogue from this movie that might fit. None of them are, like, jumping out to me, and I didn't take any notes last night when I watched it. But um, I think I, there were a couple lines where when I heard them last night, I was like, oh, that's – I like that. Um, so that could be another option, too. But I, I like the the little yellow sharpener. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Just a little. Just a little um, object. New category that we came up with this week, uh, all thanks to Tierney. Um, I forgot what this. I was like, "What's our new category?" <laughs> I also would you, forget. Would you like to uh, have been on this set? Oh, hell yeah! <laughs> what? <laughs> How could that even be questioned? Yeah, I think it'd oh be pretty. God. It'd be pretty fun because they're all I great actors, and it and I don't know much about Tom Ford and who he is as a director, but I know that. <laughs> the cast would be fun to hang out with and the costumes mm-hmm. would be really fun. Oh yeah. And all and, the scenery just being yeah. in George's house. Yeah. Yeah. If, if Tom Ford is like a tyrant, then no. <laughs> he seems chill. <laughs> he seems pretty chill. If he's okay with me touching things, then yeah. But if he's not, then no. That seems like Apparent- a fair place to draw the line. <laughs> yeah. Apparently based on like, I think the cast of a single man and uh, a serious man? Yeah. And Nocturnal Animals, Tom Ford's other movie. Oof. Um, 
Yeah, I know. It's not great. Uh, but the cast from both of the movies were like, every day he was the best dressed on set, and we were in costumes that were supposed to be nice outfits. Like, But he always <laughs> came to work like looking like a trillion bucks, and smelling great, and just being very cool and casual. Um, so I would 100% want to be on the set. Especially if that Nicholas Holt him. was not a body double, I would be <laughs> filming that scene. I was going to say you should get a butt tattooed on your butt, but then I was like, that might be too uh, juvenile. And so I didn't say A it. butt butt? <laughs> a double Like the butt. outline of a butt on your butt? Interesting. Yes. I, I don't, I think I would maybe spend time on this film set but i don't know if i would like it wouldn't be like oh fuck i must be there but like i don't know if i found myself there i'd be like yeah this is fine but i i don't like the costumes looked great but i don't really give a shit like personally <laughs> like i wouldn't want to Whatever. be wearing any of them um julianne moore i don't know if she's a method actress but like if she's talking to me in that british accent <laughs> i'm definitely out <laughs> Colin, Colin, I'm over here. Let's go to London. Uh, oh, craft services. <laughs> uh, and then, Matt, you already kind of mentioned this one, but uh, Academy Awards. We're not, we're not favorable to this movie. It literally only no. had the one nomination, and it was uh, Colin Firth, which... Yeah. Deserved, but... Absolutely deserved. Um, Did he win for it? He did not win. Uh, Jeff Bridges won for Crazy Heart. Was, a... was that a movie even? Yeah. yeah. He's a country singer. I haven't seen it, but it's supposed to be great. In it. So he it's is like, good. it's Born to be a Star, whatever that movie is, but with country. A Star is Born. Born to be a Star. A Star is Born. <laughs> born to be a Star sounds like a TLC show about child pageants. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, it's more or less the same plot, so. <laughs> I'm interested in yeah. watching it, I would say, but it's, it's not the name of it. <laughs> Born to be a star starring Lady Gaga. He's, he's like a washed up country actor. It's a, it's a fine movie. He is good in it. I The rest of that year was George Clooney in Up in the Air, uh, Morgan Freeman in Invictus, and Jeremy Renner in The Hurt Locker. I think probably Colin Firth would be my favorite performance of that year. He's really? so good in this movie. He's so good oh, in this that, movie. That's so nice to hear. Oh, I love uh, I also George Clooney and Up in the Air is fantastic. So it would be like real, real neck and neck for me. But I do think I would probably give the slight edge to Colin Firth. I also agree with you. I think the score should have been nominated. Um, we had Up, Avatar, Fantastic Mr. Fox, The Hurt Locker, and Sherlock Holmes. What the fuck? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, Sherlock Holmes. Are you kidding me? For Jesus. best score, who was it even? <laughs> I mean, who it was Hans Zimmer, this? but like, oh, shut up! I don't care about Hans Zimmer. <laughs> I like Interstellar soundtrack, and that's like about all that I love of Hans Zimmer score. Didn't he also do Wonder Woman? That was pretty good. Boy, <laughs> I can't. Uh, I can't sing a tune from that movie at all. Yeah, you can. You used to do it all the time. Oh, is it the one that's like Wonder Woman? Wonder Woman. <laughs> No, the w- when she twirls around and then she becomes I don't know what not Linda about. Carter anymore. <laughs> um, here's another thing it did not get nominated for: best costume design. Oh yeah, I bet what? that that really <laughs> that really bit Tom Ford. Yeah, he probably 
wasn't too happy about that. Uh, here are the nominees for that year. Uh, the Young Victoria, um, Bright Star, which is a film I've never heard of. Uh, it's got Abby Cornish and Ben Wisha, I think, actually. Oh, that's fun for you. Uh, Coco Before Chanel. Um, the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Fuck that movie. <laughs> and Nine. Um, yeah, so that was a real real kick in How the pants there. They? Nine Inch Nails? Yes. Nine Inch Nails was nominated for Best Costume Design in 2009. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> anything else you guys want to talk about? for a serious man or a simple plan or a simple man i didn't really understand like that kid was always high what (laughs) okay never mind i was like kenny talks about mescaline one time in this movie and he's not on it i'm not falling into your trap uh, but Your hole did. with leaves on top? I'm not falling in. <laughs> Shabbily hidden. Well, well played, Tierney. Well played. How dare you. <laughs> um, 2009 was a good year for uh, for your boy Matthew Good, though, Matt. Um, it was a good movie. year and for Matthew Good? <laughs> uh, but he was also your boy uh, Ozymandias in... Everybody's oh, favorite. Shit, that was iter- 2009. Everybody's favorite iteration of Watchmen. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Correct. Oof. All right. Well, uh, great success, team. I think we did it. Matt, congratulations. Yeah. We're finally we finally saw this movie, and now we can <sighs> now we can continue making fun of the title of this movie <laughs> to you. But at least you know yeah. we've seen it. <laughs> I know. Now you can't pretend. Um. Should we do what we've been watching or reading or? or oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really? I, I I can start. Um, I have recently gotten very into the Uncharted video games again. Um, they were I played them all when we all lived together. I was telling Matt. I remember there was one Friday night where you guys were both out for some reason, and I came home and ordered a pizza and just went to my room and played a video game for like eight straight hours. <laughs> Um, and now they are free download on PlayStation 4 for the first three games, so I downloaded them again and have basically been reliving that because I live alone, and so I just, you know, I don't order pizza as often anymore, but I will make a frozen pizza and then sit and play a video game for, like, eight hours. Godspeed. Good for you. So, yeah, that's what I've been into is just replaying a video game that I've already played before, but proud of you. What, what else are you going to do in quarantine? <laughs> Tierney, do you have anything or should I go? You can go first. Okay. Um, I haven't done too many new things or taken in too much new media, except I watched the entire first season of Midnight Gospel, uh, which is a new animated series on Netflix. Um, it's super trippy and uh, very weird, uh, but... Like, from the first episode, I was like, I don't really know what this show is. Uh, so I, like, looked up what it is. And it's, like, uh, it's snippets of this podcast called the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Uh, but then they recorded new dialogue with the people he interviewed. 
so that they like have a storyline around the interview um and it all sounds like the same because it's the same voices so it like sounds like one very cohesive recording and the animation is from the people who did adventure time um and so it's like super trippy wild weird animation hyper violent at points uh but it's this guy duncan trussell interviewing Anne lamott and one of the kids who was convicted in the um like the paradise lost uh, documentary oh shit about those kids one of them who is now free is one of the interviewees and they don't even talk about that it's just about magic and about him channeling magic through the real world and then the final episode is the interview that Duncan Trussell did with his mother three weeks before she died of cancer. And now they animated around that interview. And it's about her accepting her death and, like, acknowledging that all of the living that she has passes on to something. It's incredibly deep and moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a half an hour comedy show or comedy animation show that, like, hits incredible heights of like depth and uh mindfulness it's all about meditation it's incredible i didn't expect to like it as much as i did but it's so good and it's all out on netflix right now that's what i watched nice it reminds me of the uh the thing you were doing with uh your friend like the interview you did with was amen and your little like stick figure yeah you yeah 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 your little stick figure guy where you just like you recorded a conversation Mm -hmm. with him and then built a bunch of little like webisodes around it That's yeah fun. I, I did stop motion with uh, a figurine uh, for his voice it, are those videos on your website too? they are on my website uh, which is linked on the website I think maybe I don't know inception it's a website <laughs> and a website uh, <laughs> um, yeah no there's like 25 of them and they're all like two minutes long two or three minutes cute um, so I'm still reading the Brian Wilson memoir uh and then as far as like movies uh there are three or movies and television there are three things i watched this week so the first i watched a documentary uh on the whitbread round the world sailing race which is started it started in 1973 i've watched like a bunch of them it's really i don't know i'd love to do it but i'm terrified of the southern ocean um Which is like that's such a specific fear. I'm terrified of the Southern Ocean. Well, yeah, the other oceans you, I'm totally down with, but that one, fuck it's no. The <laughs> most violent. Um, like you can have 50 foot waves, and that's like a Tuesday. That's like no big oh my deal. God. Um, Jesus. So this is the race was started in 1973, and it was started primarily uh, by Europeans, mostly the British, because it starts and ends in England, and sure. like England had like I don't know seven boats in the race or Britain had like seven boats in the race and they had like trials so like most of the sailors were like navy men and then there's this dude who started his own company in Mexico and then his son wanted to get married so he sent him to school in Ireland and on his way there they found a sign for the Whitbread Round the World race and the dad was like do you want to do this and the kid was like I'll do it if you do it and the dad's like this will be a good way to teach them d- teach him discipline <laughs> and then they fucking won. Holy shit. So, like, what? it was, like, no one knew, like, all the other countries in the race were, like, countries with a sailing history. Like, 
yeah. Britain, France, and like mostly European countries. And then Mexico is like, I think we want to do this. And then they like built a crew together, and everyone's like, these guys are not gonna win. And then they <laughs> won the whole thing. <laughs> oh my god, that's incredible. It's that's a really great. fun documentary, and, and the captain seems like the man that I was like, I just want to want to tout that that England <laughs> got smoked in a race they started. <laughs> um, the other thing uh, that I wa- that started this week uh, is on Hulu. Uh, it's Normal People, which is based yes. on a book by Sally Rooney. It is a very well-made television show. Would recommend. It's about the people in the UK. I was going to say, it's about, <laughs> it's about a bunch of British people, right? No, they're actually, Hello, governor! What did, what, did the, what did the guy in the tweet say? It's uh, an Irish story with Irish characters written by an Irish woman and directed by an Irish man. Yeah. <laughs> this is not England. It's weird that you think that this is set in England, considering everything about it is Irish. <laughs> Uh, it's a good book, uh, but I think the television show is actually better than the book, which is rare. Um, and then the last thing uh, that I wanted to talk about is I started watching Tangled, oh, boy. and seven minutes into it, I was like, what is this fucking horse shit? Oh. When they start singing a song, and so I was like, I'll give it a few more minutes and I did not make it more than 12 minutes into that movie. I can't believe it. <laughs> it that movie is was so palatable. So bad. Nice. So bad. <laughs> that first song is so fun. You're crazy. Ugh, that first song was so bad. I love that song. <laughs> yeah, I love that song too. How dare you? That's that one of my just... favorite Disney I Want songs. <laughs> it's like top five. <laughs> when will my life begin? With, like, some paltry hammering on an acoustic guitar. It was so bad. (laughs) (laughs) So rude. Jesus. These takes. I, like, I feel the heat (laughs) from, like, halfway across the country. God damn. Brutal heat. I actually wasn't, I wasn't going to mention it at all because I was like, what did I watch this week? And then I was like, I remember I started to watch Tangled and you guys hated that I hated it. So I'm going to bring that up. Do you oh. like Frozen more? Uh, yeah, but I don't really like Frozen all that much. I thought it was, I thought it was like everyone's like, oh, it's about a princess who doesn't need a prince, and it's like, no, 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 you just deferred that to the secondary character. <laughs> right, but it's but it's also Elsa doesn't need a. We don't need to talk about Frozen. This no, is not... Elsa doesn't need a prince, but her sister is like. The, is like a major plot point is her wanting she to doesn't find a get prince. saved by a guy she gets saved by sisterly love well i was gonna say her i'm her just saying that if you love want is a, her sister if you want a disney movie that doesn't have to do with princes at all you should watch moana make way make way <laughs> which is a song that has good music or a movie that a has song? good music yeah, Moana's better than Tangled or Frozen. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. That's fine. I would put Frozen pretty low on the list and Tangled even lower. <laughs> God. Jesus. All right. Well, I don't think there's any coming back from this. So I think we should just cut our losses now. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, thanks for joining. Um, do we have we Did we decide on what our next one is, or is that still TBD? I think we're going to do, I mean, I, either Insomnia or Nashville. Which guy, Which one do you guys want to do? Insomnia is Collins next, right? Yeah. 
Let's do Insomnia. We're going to do Insomnia uh, All right. next week. All right. So, yeah, uh, next week we will dive into uh, Insomnia, and hopefully none of us actually have to experience that because that sounds awful right now given the other circumstances in the world. Yeah. Yeah, if I can't but. sleep, you're taking the one last thing I love. <laughs> <laughs> Dark, but fair. Totally fair. <laughs> All right. All right. Have a good so, week, y'all. I'm finished. <laughs>